Hello and welcome to Wendy's Words of Wisdom and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Matt Kirshen. Hey Wendy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming over. Thank you very much for having me. And this is going to be the first podcast of the new year because I took a hiatus yep. over the summer and then just didn't come back to work. <laughs> I feel a real responsibility now. This is kicking off. My like if this goes badly, this is putting you in a really poor position for the whole of 2015 there we go but no pressure no pressure well, 2016 quite... depending on how long you take off we'll see we'll see i feel like a ceo yeah he's decided that you know i'm just not going to go back to work but i'm not collecting my 50 grand salary but um... <laughs> it's kind of weird though because obviously this is gonna happen before the new year's eve event i know so we we're talking we don't know to the future yeah everyone who's listening to this right now from their underground lairs <laughs> sheltering from the happening will be like they'll look at us like this naive optimistic bumbling fools they they had no idea yeah we'll be the pre-internet kids <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah it is in between christmas and new year how was your christmas it was very nice mm-hmm. it was it was uh i did the same i did do we do every year we just go around to my aunt and uncles because they don't keep kosher okay that's what we do I in our family. The, I love how the Jewish people go on the hunt for Christmas celebrations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Hi, you're doing Christmas this year. Can we come? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my aunt and uncle are also Jewish, but they're less observant than my parents. So my mum, my mum does like Rosh Hashanah um, and Passover. She does like, that's at her house. And she gets tips on Christmas. And then, no, so my mum my does the Jewish festivals and then my aunt does the Christ, does Christmas. <laughs> And who covers the Muslim side? I don't, you know what? That is an oversight <laughs> on my family's part. I like that. I don't do any of the Hindu celebrations either. That's not, my daughter, Isabella, who you know, who's 12, came home from school one day. Yeah. And her daddy is Jewish. Mm-hmm. So she came home and she was like, Mommy, I'm half Jewish, aren't I? And I was kind of like, well, technically no, because I'm not Jewish. But yeah, if you, technically, you're half Jewish, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And she said... Basically, like... You, you you can't get into the synagogues, but you'd be in trouble in the camps. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the way it works. Yeah. If, we're going, if we're, we're really strict about it, you are yeah. Jewish, but for the benefit of the religion, you're not. Yeah, we, like, depends whether, like, according to a rabbi, no, according to Hitler, yes. Yeah. Like, that's the way around you. <laughs> well, no, what a terrible way to judge it. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I think about myself, like, because I get asked, like, I, I'm, am I Jewish? And culturally like ethnically then yes um but as far as religion go like i don't believe in god i don't follow any of the religion the only times i ever eat kosher food is when i'm at my family and even then i don't eat meat anymore so there's no food that i eat that would specifically be not like there's no koshered meat there's no koshered vegetables it's just whatever yeah um so it literally when i go like am i jewish if someone Pretty much the only reason I would say yes is sort of for historical and cultural reasons. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, what it, what me saying yes, what it basically is, is, I mean, no, because I don't have any religion, but in 1940, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the way. <laughs> well, my, my ex-husband would say that he's a showbiz Jew and that if it's going to be- benefit him in show business, right. then he's a Jew. But apart from that, no, he's not. See, I don't even feel I'm that. Like, is that, I can't, <laughs> I can't play the game as well. Like, I just... You don't go to you don't go to synagogue and sort of plant no. down any Weinstein's or I'm, I, I'm making a, a huge assumption. And there. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in America most of the time these days, and I feel like, particularly when I'm I'm in LA most of the time, particularly when I'm in New York, I feel like I'm like Paul Provenza is an Italian New Yorker. 
Uh-huh. I feel less Jewish than him. <laughs> like I think he probably <laughs> culturally is far more. Because so many, so many like of the sort of Yiddish words are in the vocabulary now. So the yeah. like, well, New Yorkers schwitz, and I was kind of like, are you, oh, we're yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what the sort of protocol is on using words that don't belong to your culture. And the, I think you know, they, yeah, they've just been absorbed into the language. Mm-hmm. So, but the New York accent is is basically a mixture of the Jewish, Italian, and Irish accents sort of merging together. So they get Christmas and the, Rosh and the vocab as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I go to New York for Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> what happens in the Midwest, Matt? <laughs> you just go there if you fancy a bit of lynching. <laughs> I was, I'm trying to think if I've been. I think I think I was gigging once in the middle of Michigan uh-huh. over Passover or Yom Kippur or one of the festivals. You wouldn't know it. Really? <laughs> like, I could tell from, <laughs> like, from Twitter or something. Oh, really? But the thing that Bella came home and said was, like, so she decided she was half Jewish and that in her school, um, Jewish people and Muslim people get to have Pesach and Rosh Hashanah and Eid. They get all of that off. Ah, uh, yeah, And they yeah. also get Christmas and they also get Easter, which are Christian festivals and they're Christian holidays. So Isabella's reasoning was that she should really get half the Jewish festivals off school. Right. Because... At least a half day. <laughs> yeah. She gets to go home at 12. <laughs> we can't get into the school funding situation here. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I do remember it being a thing. Like, I remember it being me and the other five Jewish kids in my class got to be home on Rosh Hashanah. It was a big thing. We didn't get... If it fell on a weekday. Okay. That was quite we... handy, though. Yeah, it was a... But then, you... but then you'd have to go to the synagogue because... Our parents wouldn't let us just go home and watch telly. No, you can't be sick and then go out shopping. You have to be sick and in bed. Yeah, so then, like with you hindsight, Jewish, you have to be at the synagogue. <laughs> Get that reasoning. Yeah, and with hindsight, I don't know. Sitting in the synagogue for eight hours is listening to someone eight talking. Hours? Is that what you have to do? Well, no, actually, you know what? It wasn't that Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur. As you get older, when we were kids, we spent half a day at home. And also, you don't fast when you're younger, but as you get older, you're meant to. So Yom but, Kippur is atonement, is it? Yeah, and that's right. 25 hours of fasting. Um, Why just the extra day? The extra hour, even. Um, it's something to do with the way Jewish holidays are counted um, and Jewish days are counted. It's from sunrise, um, sunset, sorry, sunrise to sunset. Okay. Or oh, sorry, sunset to sunset. So it's... um. So Russia, so Yom Kippur will start, depending on what time exactly where it lands in the calendar, it'll start at around, I don't know, I'm going to say like seven p.m. Mm-hmm. and it'll end around eight p.m. And I think I think the reason for the dis- difference is I'm going to get this completely wrong. So it's something Sorry, within. I, I understand yeah. you're not a real rabbi. <laughs> so, Took you a while to see through that ruse. <laughs> it was, that has I, not admit, everyone. I had you go for a bit, though. I had you go for a little... Uh, I do like the ringlets. Yeah. <laughs> I had them in the wrong place. That was probably the giveaway. <laughs> that was the clue. I thought you'd come to sing a country song. <laughs> Sorry, I've gone really bad there. That's not... I'm pretty sure they're not called ringlets. Oh, yeah, whatever. Um, that's another reason I'm bad you. Yeah, but I think it's because... The beginning, it's measured from like the beginning, it starts at the beginning of sunset mm-hmm. and then it ends when sunset is definitely finished. So because it's an inexact thing, because it goes back to oh, times before they had astronomical clocks and all that kind of thing. Um, and atomic clocks are accurate. Yeah. So I think it's, it starts when the first star appears in the sky or when the sun begins to set up something and it ends when the sun has completely, 
disappeared. disappeared. Okay, I get that. So you don't, so you, so you don't sort of, I don't know, so you at no point accidentally eat when sunset hasn't finished or whatever is still going on. God forbid. I know, it'd be the worst. So it's, <laughs> it's 25 hours of fasting, no food, no even water. Um, no water? No water. Okay. And so the adults spend the entire day in the synagogue, pretty much. Really? Because that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to sort of atone and and think about your year and get it out or whatever. Mm. But also there's nowhere else. Like, there's no point being at home either. There's no meal times. There's no... You're not allowed to watch TV or... You can read books, I guess. But you're not allowed to turn on lights or cook or anything like that. Because they're all things that... Same as on the Sabbath. They're all things that are prohibited. Okay. So all the things that are prohibited on the Sabbath are also prohibited on these holidays. Right. So that includes like driving, uh, watching TV, turning on lights, carrying things outdoors. It's inter- it's really interesting, and I don't want to, and I'm not obviously going to mock anyone's religion because I, I I'm always interested because it I is don't a nonsense. No, but like, no, you yeah. say it's a nonsense, but I think whatever gets you through. If you believe in tarot cards or palmistry, or um, you know, I was brought up Catholic, right? And for me, it doesn't doesn't suit me. But I don't. I'm always really intrigued when atheists bang on about how stupid people that that are devoted to a religion are. And I think, well, I can't. Well, can't you just be right? Well, here's and, the thing: <laughs> can't you be right and be satisfied with that rather than banging on about it? Do you know what I mean? I I know what you mean, but I I I fully appreciate the need for ritual. And and actually respect and enjoy like I think there's something very nice about the the communal uh, singing and communal services and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Communal is the British pronunciation. So right, let's oh, hang on, which way around Atlantic? Actually, no. I've, that's one of the ways I've lost track. Which way around really? it is? Which communal. way is it? I is say it communal, communal. Communal. I say communal. You say okay. Communal. Oh no. So I was I was still being British. All right. Uh, Don't talk down to us just because you live in America. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Come, come over here with your American ways. I'm really conscious of it, though, because I've been there for a long... Nick's the one who picks me up on it the most, Nick Doody. Nick Doody. Will constantly notice turns of phrase or... He's looking for it, though, isn't he? He is. Because I was a... When I was he was a linguist as well, and he... Well, I, I did linguistics at university, yeah. but... Um, I was uh, in, at school in Dubai from the age of 8 to 12, and I went to an American school... And I used to struggle with data and data mm-hmm. because to me, data sounds more English, whereas in chemistry, we'd have a data book rather than a data book. Uh, the one I can never remember. Um, I can never remember which one's which out of jumper and sweater. Okay, but sweating's not a... a, a... But sweater meaning a, or a pull, pullover is entirely British, but I can never remember... Pullover's wh- English. I wouldn't even say pullover. Really? I'd say jumper. So, um, and sweater is not complimentary. If someone's a sweater, yeah. <laughs> but the, to me, that's an insult, not not an item of clothing. The, well, the only re- now I'll remember it that way around. The only yeah, way I can right normally remember sweater, Matt. Yeah, the only way I can normally remember it, which way around it is, is remember that Weezer had the sweater song. <laughs> so it's like that's a very particular way to. It's remember a very it. particular way, but then I go, well, Weezer are Americans, so jumper must be the English one. I like that. That you're so you're you are an Englishman abroad now, aren't you? I am. Uh, you, you might have I wear nothing I, but a white <laughs> like white suit and a pith helmet. Really? Do you, do you drink um, tea and yeah. have your toast in on one side? And just every so and whenever someone shows up, oh, you took a bloody time. 
<laughs> oh God, let's not get there. Um, as you may have figured out, this is called Wendy's words of wisdom, but they're not actually my words of wisdom, they're your right. words of wisdom. So we're learning stuff from you. That's how it works. Um, Carl Donnelly, when he was uh, did the podcast, he was saying how, because he was brought up Catholic, yeah. um, like myself, and he uh, likes a lot, going in, likes a lot. He really enjoys going into churches when he's away, particularly with a hangover, because he likes to sit and feel better. And hmm. he likes the calm and the air and the sort of communal feeling in there. I can see, I can see that. Like, um, I think it's just the contradictions and the the logistics and the, the mental leapfrogs that people have to make to justify. And Judaism, I think, is particularly full of them because it's so embedded and ingrained. The laws have been built up over so many thousands of years mm-hmm. that there's so many laws and then sub-laws and then exceptions and everything's sort of been patchworked together to explain an inexplicable world because yeah. obviously these are laws from... These are writings from 4,000 years ago that people are trying to use to justify 2014, 2015. But there's some things that are quite practical. I mean, keeping kosher is quite a practical thing, isn't it? It it was, yeah, at a point. But then there are other things that are utterly impractical. And there there are certain things that just don't... um, Like Richard Feynman had a bit in his autobiography. He's a physicist and he's written a couple of wonderful books. Um, And he had a... A story about when he was a student and he was in a lift mm-hmm. um and uh he he was again like an atheist cultural jew or whatever and someone was explaining pitched up for the holidays yeah he was, someone was <laughs> explaining to him why he can't use the elevator buttons on the sabbath and it was because um pressing an electric button can cause a spark when the circuit's connected and a spark is a form of fire, and creating a fire is one of the prohibited forms of work on the Sabbath. So okay. that's, I can't remember how many, there's like some, I think there's like five or seven sort of categories of work that you're not allowed to do. And, and one of them is make a fire, one of them is sort of carrying things, one of them is writing, and then everything within the modern world gets fit into one of these categories. So the reason you can't turn on a light switch is because, because that's, that's creating fire. a fire under the, ca- so. Oh, really? So that was explained to him, but then as the young student physicist he went well you could just put a condenser across the circuit and that would stop a spark from being able to form and and he was and he was like he he talked in the book about how he's like he thought solved it solved it (laughs) solved it for the jews now they'll be able to use like get get the lift up in there they won't have to take the stairs to the seventh floor now i've solved it for all jews now for the sabbath completely not realizing how good rabbis are at the mental leapfrogs involved in their religion. And he had some perfect get out of, ah, uh, yes, but blah, 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 I still can't yeah. use them. Like it, and it, it, it's that, I think it's that level of country. That's where I find it ridiculous. The thing my, I was talking about, the reason my parents go around, we all go around to my aunt and uncle's for Christmas dinner is because they don't keep kosher. And my parents keep a kosher house. Um, but they don't eat kosher. But they don't eat you? kosher. I had a whole stand up bit about this a while ago, but it, it's... Sorry, I didn't catch that. No. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, You Matt. should know from my... Uh, <laughs> my I... earlier hits, uh, Christmas, Kosher Christmas. Let me just uh, refer you to my uh, <laughs> just earlier Where's chapters. Where's that DVD on sale, Matt? <laughs> it's, it's on my CD. Okay. But uh, available on Amazon and all good... <laughs> <laughs> and all good online stores. All good iTunes stores. don't play tax. 
Uh, God, they probably don't, do they? No. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they do, but not on the Sabbath. But it, it's ridiculous. So my family, my mum likes going on holiday because when she's in the hotel, she'll have bacon and pork sausages. Really? But the house is kept kosher. And she has all these reasons, justifications for keeping a kosher house. And it's like, you know, if more religious she's relatives bacon. come around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's quite a crime, isn't it? Yeah, she loves it. <laughs> like, she, she loves pork sausages. And, um, How does she know she likes them? I, I think, cause her, I think her, her parents did the same. And I think it's just because she always... I think my parents keep a kosher house because I think the real reason is that's what they that's always... Done. That's what they've always thought they should do. I think that's the real reason. It's really bizarre these traditions that get passed down because I'm aware of something that, that there's a phenomenon in language called like latent uh, vocabulary, uh-huh. which is words that I know that I won't use. My children won't know. I don't use the words, but I'll know them because my grandparents or my, the older generations of my family will have used those words, but now I don't use them and my kids won't know them. Feel free to cough at something. No, sorry. I'm good. You're not at the opera. <laughs> um, so there's words like, I don't, my old aunt would say, get Ben there and bring me that clute. And I'd know that means go go through there and bring me the cloth. Whereas my children, when my old aunts talk to me, they don't have a clue. And no, I, I wouldn't have had it. Like, if you'd said that sentence and then said, what does that mean? Not a clue. You but I, I don't speak like that, but I understand in the same way that there's traditions that I'm aware of. That I mean, at weddings, um, when I was growing up, and until I was about 20, I think, 25 maybe was the last time I did it, um, you're at weddings. You're not supposed to take your hat off at a wedding until the mother of the bride takes her hat off. So the amount of weddings I'd be sat at with a really hot head, watching the mother of the bride at the top table, thinking, "Please take your hat off. My hat's so hot." Because it was seen as disrespectful to remove your hat. Whereas now, I don't think anyone even knows that's a tradition. And even wearing black at a wedding is that in case the mother of the bride has horns or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, the... I don't even know what it is. I just be. I just remember. Not being able to take your... My mum's saying, don't you dare take your hat off. The mother of the bride hasn't taken her hat off. I get this. Because my mum's like one of these people who takes all these things quite seriously. You know? Like I have knowledge. I have latent knowledge of all these etiquette things that I would never... Like I'm pretty sure it's only because of my mum that I know that if you're having dinner with a queen, you may not start eating until she starts eating. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the queen's just broken tradition though this year. Has she? Do you know what she did at the Commonwealth Games? I don't know. Did she compete? She went into her handbag and she put her lipstick on in public. What a slut. Never been done before. Big <laughs> news. Big news. Never been done before. So now we're like, well, you know, if the Queen's put her lipstick on in public, the rest uh, of you can get fucked. We're doing it too. So all those people who do it on the tube now, it's fine because the Queen has decreed oh, that we can put our lipstick on in public. What a public. groundbreaker. That is fairly groundbreaking for an 80... What is she, 84? 85? It's like, mate... It's like when the first woman wore trousers. Yeah. Walking out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, it was pretty remarkable. I remember being like, oh, the Queen's put her lipstick on. Right. In public. Bit of a big deal. And then deal. she like, did she adjust her bra as well? <laughs> <laughs> that was Janet Jackson. <laughs> no, I thought it was just one of those things. I was like, wow, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty big news for someone who is so closely observes protocol and knows all these things. Right. Maybe she just had a dry mouth. Maybe. <laughs> you're like, you're really unfazed by but, the fact the Queen put her lipstick on the public. But I, 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 I'm getting big waves of I don't care from <laughs> But I don't know. I, mean, my, my, I grew up in, again, like, my mum is obsessed with this. Like, Did your mum put her lipstick on in public? I don't. I don't know. I don't think she would. There you go. There's some homework for you. Maybe she would now. <laughs> I bet. 
know what? My mum is exactly oh, the kind she of... she knows. I mean, I, I, I'm just intrigued as it's one of those things. Cause my There's mom, no way she wouldn't know. My mother called me up and said, did you see what the Queen did? And I thought, oh, cool. Did she pass a baton? Or did she, at the Commonwealth Games, did you see? Did you see? And I was like, oh. She put her lipstick on. And then, of course, there were columns and columns devoted to what lips. Maybe you weren't in the country when the Commonwealth Games were on. Um, I don't think I was. Pretty big deal for There's, Hang on. I, I'm going I'm to... We'll You're keep talking. But I'm, no, I'm going to show you a picture that explains exactly who my mum is. Is this going to work well on the podcast? I'll let you describe it. I'm going to... I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll post it. I'll, find, I'll, put, I'll post it on my website. I'll email it to you as well, yeah. Okay, I'll post it on my website. Um, but yeah, I quite like all those protocols and traditions that... Been like, I don't know what, why... What, here we go. Here this we is go. this is something I found on my uh, on my mum's bookshelf on the shelf in my in my parents' living room when I went home recently. Oh God, love her. Okay, let me talk you through this. It's VHS recordings, and it's William and Kate Wedding Sky, number one. Number two is William and Kate Wedding BBC. <laughs> number three is William and Kate Wedding ITV. Wow. There's there's two things I think are Did remarkable end about differently? that. differently? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's two wow, things it's like that I Back to the Future one two and three right. Well, here's the thing. Firstly, <laughs> I'm sorry, you no, it's poor mother. We're openly laughing at her. <laughs> I laughed at her at the time. Okay, she fully accepts it. But the two things to realize about that. Firstly, my mum still has three working video recorders. <laughs> in the house. All right, and because it'd have been at the same time, wouldn't it? Yeah, you have. She didn't put on Sky Plus One. Uh-uh. So three simultaneous video recorders. I have no idea what she's doing with them. And secondly. It's the same footage. Because no one got exclusive rights, did they? They all had to just no, do the same it's, thing. No, it's like the Olympics or the World <laughs> Cup. There's only one ca- set of cameras and then they all, all the different broadcasters get sent the same footage. The only thing that's different is the commentary, commentary. and maybe some of the little, like some of the B-roll stuff, some of the outside VTs where they're talking to man on the street stuff. Oh, bless her. But <laughs> like the actual wedding bit, all of that sort of two hour chunk of the service and the, two, the procession there and the procession back... That's all... That's so interesting. That's so bizarre. It's all the same <laughs> stuff. So bizarre. Bless her. Did it... And also, I don't know if I'd watch it. Would you watch it back? No, I don't think she would either. That's what's nuts about it. I, th- I think she just recorded it because she thought it's a thing you're meant to have. But Three VHSs. Like, I can't imagine her ever sitting down to rewatch it. <laughs> Maybe if it happened to be on the telly as a highlights package, she might watch it. To be fair, I wouldn't mind seeing Beatrice's hat again. That was a bit of a giggle. Oh, there's an octopus-shaped one. That thing just sort of dancing on her head. Yeah, good for her. (laughs) I know, if the Queen's putting lipstick on, she can go out with a coat hanger on her head. Yeah, it was like a sort of fifth element homage or something. (laughs) Maybe she's a big fan. Maybe. Are there traditions that you would observe yourself? I don't know. I mean, I haven't the last few years. When I... The last few years I've been in America for like for the main festivals, like for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Passover. And each time I found out about them from the internet. <laughs> but are there Mac And I've remembered at the last minute, oh shit, and texting. You're, you're not superstitious about gigs or anything? Is there nothing? like I don't mean like traditions that sort of as in... No, I mean like there are traditions. Of... I mean stuff that you do that is what you, what is what you do. Yeah, but I think they're more sort of OCD behaviours than... Well, you know, if you, do, if you do OCD often enough, it becomes a tradition. <laughs> kind of, I, yeah, there is a, I think there is a point to it like, where certain religious rituals are conditioned OCDs. Like, okay. um, like I have, for a long time, because it was drummed into me as a kid, I couldn't write the word God. Even after I stopped believing in God, I, I found it difficult to write G-O-D with a capital G. Really? Because in the Jewish religion, you can't write 
I know this. You can't write God because it's taking his name in vain. Or well, what it actually is, is if you write down God on a piece of paper, like on a, you know, a school essay or whatever, that piece of paper might get thrown away and you can't destroy paper that has the name of God written on it. Okay. So, for example, prayer books and Torahs, when they become too old to use, get buried. Okay. Um, they actually get buried sometimes with, like, in funeral services when they're burying the corpse. And Jewish funeral services are very basic. There's, they're not very ostentatious. They bury the bodies as quickly as possible, unless unless there has to be a post-mortem, the body's normally buried within, within a, few a few days, days of death. Yeah. And in a fairly plain, in a very plain casket. In it. Um, but it's it's considered um, a mitzvah, a good deed. Is that to what a have mitzvah is? A mitzvah a good is, deed? Yes, okay. it's sort of the opposite of a sin, basically. And a bar mitzvah is a really good deed. Super good deed. First good deed. <laughs> it's um, I don't know what the bar means in bar mitzvah, but because boys it comes have from a bar mitzvah and girls have a bat mitzvah, don't they? Yeah. So I think um, but some girls also have a bar mitzvah. It's very confusing to no, us. No, it would always be called bat, bat mitzvah. I really? think yeah, or bat hail is the other name for it for the bat gu- hail. And it happens at the age of twelve. Okay. They all mean the same thing. Okay. But um, but for girls it's at twelve, for boys it's at thirteen. For some reason, that's because we mature quicker than you. I think, that, I think I think that really is actually what <laughs> the reason is. Um, but it's considered it's considered a mitzvah to have um, your to have some old prayer books or a Torah buried with you. Oh right. Um, not not for any kind of like this is for the afterlife, just because this is you're helping us out by burying you're these things it that, with you. Yeah. So the the so what that means is when you're writing, like for example, in RE classes at school. I would write G-D. I know this because I was, I was at school with a girl and you know how girls often write each other's notes at school yeah. and um, pass them. And I remember her writing G-D. She really gets on my nerves. She's such a cow. And me looking going, all right, so you, you won't write God, but you will write that she's such a cow. Yeah, which, which God can see. And I think, I think what you're doing right now is bad. Like, I think that's one of the things in the... Hmm. Isn't that a commandment? I think that's one of the commandments. Um, so you never used to write God. So no. So when I was a when I was a school kid, I wouldn't. But even a long time afterwards, I would still find it like weird, like uncomfortable for a second to do that. Oh really? Uh, Nick had one because he was raised very Catholic, and his whole family's still very Catholic. Where for I think he would find it hard not to. I'm you. You know. You know the specifics of someone who's raised Catholic. I think it's like when someone mentions Jesus, you're meant to. I like either slight bow, slightly nod yeah. your head. That, that, you see me going. Yeah. Right, yeah. And when you cross when you the say Jesus, you, you're meant to do. That's it. right. And yeah. when you cross the aisle of a church in front of the altar, you you're meant to, bless to yourself. Right. And he would find it hard to not do that long after he stopped believing in God because that's ingrained yeah. in o- as a sort of OCD behavior. But then I come the other way because then when I go into Catholic church, although it doesn't mean what it did to me. I kind of feel like, as a remark, as a mark of respect to everyone else who believes that, I should be doing that in the same way that if my old aunt was going to say something really racist, I'd try and like, I'd call her on it, but I wouldn't have the same sort of ferocious discussion with her as I would with a stranger. Do- yeah, and I struggle with the mark of respect and what I believe in in that that instance. Yeah, and you know, I I don't. I think I was more dogmatically atheist when I was when I was younger, particularly when you sort of first lose a faith and you're like, this is the truth now. Yeah, there's nothing like the zeal of the freshly converted though. Right, in any sense. <laughs> in any sense. 
The sex stuff is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep doing it every day. Yeah, it's like if you... three kids in, I'm like, um, something uh. good in the telly. <laughs> well, yeah, or if you ever meet someone who sort of, when you meet someone who comes out in their 20s, having been closeted all the way through their teens, and then yeah. there's like a one year period where they are just shagging like mental. <laughs> just like, this is, <laughs> this is my new truth. <laughs> and then everything just settles yeah. down to yeah, a. Yeah a normal sort of level yeah um but so yeah I, you know I, I wouldn't go screaming in the face of people who find it comforting but at the same time i also think certain aspects of it are harmful and also i think aspects of it are ridiculous and it, again i think the jewish faith because it has that sort of long built up so many rituals and so many traditions and so many rules that are convoluted and conflicting judaism's odd in that people f- people find their kind of groove and find how much they're going to follow. Like, I think it's the only, maybe I'm wrong, but it's the only mainstream religion I can think of where there are lots of different branches, but they all seem to be defined by at what point do you go, now nah, that's bullshit. Well, it kind of feels a little bit pick and mix to me. It I, really, well, but, but, but especially it, the tiers, because you've got the reformed Jews, you've got... Yeah, and it's almost in stratas. Like, it, you've it's got not, good Jews, better Jews, best juice yeah you? and there are bran- there are other branches within it and there are specific sects and there's like has uh there's like ashkenazi and sephardic who depending on whether you come from sort of eastern europe, eastern europe or, or northern africa yeah exactly yeah. um See, i do know some stuff totally do <laughs> but um but as far as like the the stratas go from like the hasidim to the orthodox to the um uh reform liberal it's basically how much of it can you be bothered to follow like uh, and it it really is like everyone at every level is is looking at like the people the level below them go well they're not proper jews and those guys are crazy (laughs) like it's like (laughs) like everyone like one level up is nuts and one level down isn't isn't a jew there's part of me that quite likes that i mean it's it's terrible but i kind of i like that sort of that that variety yeah it's so but it is like the sort of the classic mad. I took um, Max, my ten-year-old, to. We had an interesting uh, summer because I try and do something on because I've got three of them. I try and do something on my own with the eldest two because the number three, Riley, who's three, is such a an attention vacuum that yeah. the other two sometimes don't get the attention they should. And the other two, I've I've seen them all playing together. They they often. I mean, they get on really well with Riley, so they often end up just looking after him as well. Yeah. They sort of yeah. almost fit into an uncle and aunt role. As... Precisely. So um, I try and do something with um, them on their own. Let them be the kids. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I took one day, um, Isabella and I went for uh, afternoon tea to mm-hmm. a, a, a fancy West End hotel. And then we went to see um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Rufus Hound. And it, oh, it was nice. Brilliant. It was brilliant. brilliant day. Is I that still going it. or is he now? I think it's close. I'm not sure. I don't want to say either way. I'll, I'll double check. I'll Google it and double check before the end of this. But um, so we had a day out. And as I left, I said to Max, now listen, you have a think about what you want to do and we'll do it. Um, we'll do it maybe after the Edinburgh Festival because this was like June and right. I thought, I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I came back home and I said, Max, have you thought about what you want to do? And he said, yes. And I said, cool, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to go to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, really? Because <laughs> yeah, Isabella and I went to town. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair. We went to zone one. Steve, my husband said, check the flights. So I checked the flights. EasyJet flights to Rome were cheaper than tickets for the <laughs> West End of London. 
Oh, that's great. So we went to Rome. No, really? We went to Rome for a weekend when school finished on the Friday. We got off flight to Rome because he's obsessed with Romans and, and he wanted to see the Colosseum. And oh, that's very cool. We had a really cool weekend. That's actually really cool. It was really cool. And, my, and he, so Max is like, I need to get Max on the podcast because Max's words of wisdom are quite astonishing. He said, we were walking through like Villa Borghese and he said, Mummy, I think this trip's going to be really good for our relationship. <laughs> But it was great. We went to all kinds of cool things. Have you been to Rome? Yeah, I it's have. amazing. We find not these, for a while, but um, yes. We find these catacombs with all these monks and the Capuchin monks mm-hmm. that were like um, they were like in, still there. Well, here's the thing: there's two thousand seven hundred monks' bones that were in France that they brought back, repatriated to Italy, and they've decorate, decorated these tombs with bones. So, if you're a ten year old boy, it is the coolest thing. Oh yeah, you I've have been ever to seen. um. I went to a bone church in the south of the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called now. It's quite, it's, it's the famous bone church in the south of the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, in Chesky Kromlov, I think is the town. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's like everything is decorated. Like the altar, uh, there's like a candelabra, uh, like uh, a chandelier made and uh, yeah, decoration all made out of human bones. The, um, the, there's one room where it's just like pelvises sort of splayed out in a room and it's just kind of, and then of course there's like in each room there's like four monks that are done up with their skeleton, with their cloaks on so it's spooky and scary and, <laughs> but it was brilliant. But on the way back from the, um, from the trip, we were there from the Friday to the Sunday and we sort of did everything, we, you know, we did everything you've got to, you're supposed to do in Rome. Right. And also Max got to go on a Segway, which when you're 10 is the coolest thing on the planet. Oh, I went on one. Because <laughs> the, the Segway sisters, the yeah. close harmony singing group that our friends are involved in, um, got sponsored one year by a Segway company for I Edinburgh. I saw that. So they were all going around in Edinburgh flying on these Segways. I got to play on one. It's really fun. You, like the first two minutes, are you you can't control the thing at all, and you're sort of teetering along. Max fell off a couple of times, and then suddenly it's incredibly easy. <laughs> it was like you look like I mean, you look like the world's greatest knob. <laughs> right, don't don't you want is still on? If anyone wants to go and see it, still with Rufus? Not with Rufus anymore, but it's still on. But I recommend it. It's brilliant, brilliant. Cool. brilliant. But um, on the way back from Rome after Max's trip. We're sitting there and there was like three priests having pasta sitting and Max was looking at them and I said, what's wrong with me? And he said, I just feel really sad for them that they um, have devoted their lives to something that I don't understand or believe in. And I was just like, and I felt bad for him because he can't understand that sort of... Yeah. It was just really... You know when sometimes kids say things and you go, oh my God, that's really... That's really profound. When I see, when I, I feel like sometimes when I feel like, when I see the Hasidic Jews walk past the, like the super observant ones and like the whole family, the kids and everyone are all. Jewish um, rabbis have big families, don't they? Uh, yeah, it's similar to, Cath- that, it's oh, similar okay. to Catholicism. Um, in that, yeah, there's a sort of feeling that you should create a big family and that's I your see. purpose. Is, I see. Um, but, uh. But when I see them going along, I go like all the stuff that you don't have access to and that you're dedicating your life to something I consider to be nonsense. I do have that thought sometimes, but then also I'm aware that they probably see me going past in, uh, that's a good point in my jeans and whatever, and wasting my life. (laughs) Yeah. And, and wasting my life without knowing the truth of the universe as they see it. They probably also feel sorry for me for not having access to what they believe they have, for not having yeah. access to the divine in the way that they do. Um, That's a valid point. Okay. I don't feel as bad now. 
You've absolved me. Right. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think he's absolutely fine then looking at those people going, fucking idiots. Because <laughs> they're probably looking at him going, fucking idiots. <laughs> Look at that poor boy sitting there while her mother has wine. Yeah. No, With her like... head all uncovered. <laughs> the slut. That's two good uses of slut. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever a good use for the word slut, Matt, but we'll let you, we'll let you off with it. Um, what else was I going to ask you about tradition, Matt? So, you like, do you have any sort of pre-performance rituals or stuff that you do? Again, like, like I check my flies are done up. I have a sip of water before I go on. But those, I think, yeah. Again, those are little remnants of slightly obsessive behaviour. Did you hear? Um, did you see? I saw Russell Brand being interviewed, and that made me laugh because before I before I go on stage, I go to the toilet. Obviously, my I'm chir- my tummy's churning, and I'm getting ready to go. And I go to the toilet, yeah. and relieve myself. And um, most comics call that that I know call it the pre-show shit. Yep. Whereas Russell Brand said that he takes himself to the toilet, and he sort of you know he allows toxins to leave him and he gets his head in the right space now thinking that's a pre-show shit what are you talking yeah. about everyone does that because their adrenaline's kicked in and you need to go to the toilet before you're on stage yep. i just thought it was really interesting that he's got a lovely i'm allowing the, the toxins yeah. to flow out of me into that shit bowl i might, I might have misquoted him maybe that wasn't the toxins but i was definitely kind of like oh i don't <laughs> i don't call it that also flow yeah <laughs> Anyway. No pushing. <laughs> if it's flowing, you might need to see someone. That could be IBS. I don't know. Maybe Russell Brand vibrates on a higher frequency to the rest of us. Maybe. What do you make of his um, revolution? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think some of his views are very misguided. Particularly, I very much disagree with his don't voting, or don't voting, with his no voting, don't vote platform. Yeah. I think... Particularly when he's talking to young people, I think stopping. I, I I completely get people who are like anti-voting and like they don't want to engage with what they think is a broken system and they want to engage with politics, but not with, um, not with politicians and not with the system. Yeah. I get that. I get that. But I think I strongly feel that part of the reason why politicians are allowed to do the shit that they do is because they know that young people don't vote, they know that young people don't engage with the system, and so they don't have to appeal to them. And I think that's a real problem. I think when people know that the the ballots are going to be filled out by middle-class, older people, mm-hmm. they don't have the incentive to do things that younger and less wealthy people need in place so I, I i think that's a mistake on the other hand i think some of what he's saying it makes a lot of sense and i think and as, a, I th- as a woman i find the not not voting thing really really offensive considering who's gone before us and who's fought for the vote. yeah considering how hard people vote fought for <laughs> you're right um i yeah i think and he you, died for it you know yeah i think if you don't want to engage if you do truly believe they're all the same all those parties and i don't also i really don't think that's true either i think that's what they also want you to believe i think Mm, okay. I I I really think all of the mainstream parties have things that I deeply dislike and have done things that I deeply dislike. Um but to say that the conservative the conservatives are no worse than Labour or Lib Dems I think is a fallacy. I think like I think all the parties have things that are bad on all the parties have things that they're better on. But the conservatives are the worst. <laughs> Yeah, of the mainstream parties. Of the mainstream parties yeah. And then there are parties like UKIP and stuff who are getting in because of people on the left not engaging with the political process. And I, I think that's a real problem. 
But also, I do, I do like and I do respect Russell for the way he is raising. He is getting certain issues into the public consciousness and into younger people's consciousness in a way that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Well, he's, people are talking. I think it's yeah, really important. He's raising well, I was profile. So proud of the Scottish referendum. Um, what a turnout! Eighty-four point five percent turnout. Yeah, and um, whichever way. And like, young kids, and, and like, because 16-year-olds were allowed to vote. They were yeah, doing it before they, they went to school. Yeah, not only could they did vote, you, they... Do you remember trying to get up at 16? Yeah. There's not a chance I would have got up to vote early so yeah. that I could have voted before school. They it all... was People were excited about it and engaged in the... Which shows that there is an appetite for engagement in the political process if they don't feel disillusioned. I think that is one thing that Russell Brand is doing. And also, I think a lot of the attacks on him in newspapers and a lot of the sneering... I think is partly an establishment feeling threatened. I think yeah. when the establishment is threatened, they attack the messenger before they attack the message. Did you see what, who was voted as the um, the uh, Great Britain of the Year in the Times? In the Times, did you see that? Yes, Farage. <laughs> now, I, there's an argument. I don't understand that. Well, there's an argument in the way, for example, the Time Person of the Year has over the years not always been the good person. Hitler was the famously Times Man of the Year in was the late he? 30s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that wasn't an endorsement <laughs> of Hitler by the Times. That was a that was an acknowledgement that he has, as a human being, had more of an impact on had the world. Had a pretty good year. We don't like you, but you've had a pretty good year. Yeah, or just an impactful year. Like, he is... It almost... It's, it will almost, like, in modern terms, be the trending topic yeah, of the year. Doesn't necessarily... Gosh doesn't necessarily mean good trending topic. Like Ebola was yeah. probably the trending topic. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? The I, thing of Nigel the year. Farage was one, but Ebola was two. <laughs> Ebola was two. <laughs> and so in, there's a sense... But I think even then it's it's bogus. I really do. I think Farage has only been allowed to dominate... Has Farage has been allowed to dominate the political uh, sphere and conversation by the media that then voted him. Well, this like, is that bizarre. was a thing of their making. Because the BBC have to sort of govern who, which is a political party that gets to gets yeah. coverage. And, gets and the, the Greens coverage. don't get coverage. The They're Greens not on the debates. The Greens don't get coverage, but all of a sudden they decided UKIP did, shoot. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I find it bizarre that the BBC decided that they were going to be a political party worth worth covering. And and to the shame of all the mainstream parties on this one, all, all three of the major UK parties have capitulated and have tried to play Farage on his own field and it's disgusting to see Rather like he's they've allowed him to shift the conversation so far right so far on like I again my mum is a Daily Mail reader I get to see right. the Daily Mail when I'm home and there was an article a couple of days ago that says something like and again this is from a Daily Mail article survey whatever <laughs> so should be taken with the largest pinch of salt that said <laughs> immigration now the voting public's biggest issue it's not, the most important though. issue the taken the over the issue. economy um and i it probably is the most discussed right now because they've Isn't allowed it? it to be discussed the right-wing papers have allowed it to be discussed and farage has allowed it to be discussed and the left and what should be the left and even the sort of the right-wing major parties have allowed that to happen and have now started to go well this is what we're doing about immigration rather than telling the truth which is this man is a liar and he's playing on your basis fears and your bigotry to, to push his agenda. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. I find it so bizarre. It's it's really I uncomfortable it was a and joke. really when I saw it on Twitter, I was kind of like, that can't be true. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But then Tony Blair was voted humanitarian of the year <laughs> a few months ago as well. Somebody 
can just walk into a country and say, yeah, yeah, definitely weapons of mass destruction here. Let's yep. blow it to fuck. <laughs> just bizarre. But then I kind of feel that, is there any wonder that that, um, that sort of younger people think they've got no influence over politics when that kind of shit happens? And, and is it fair to say that possibly all these political parties are just like an old boys club? They all know each other. They all hang out with each other. They all went to school together. Yeah, and, and when you watch Prime Minister's Question Time, like I remember when I was growing up and started to be interested in politics, I was like, this is amazing and other countries don't have this. When you see Prime Minister's Questions and it's that sort of barracking... Like screaming and people trading barbs, and you go, Oh, this is all very exciting, and witticisms being thrown back and forward. And then you, I look at it now and just go, What the fuck is this? <laughs> Nothing is happening. No real issues are being discussed. It's just the most base, cheap, route one point scoring off each other. And at the end of the half hour of back, back and forward, no conclusions have been drawn. No, no minds have been changed. Nothing, all, all it is is half an hour's worth of pre-prepared witticisms and the odd ad-lib, but none of none of which actually advance any agenda or, or explain any process. Or change anything. Or change yeah. anything. It's like Jeremy like, Kyle with ju- a better budget. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's maybe not even a better budget. <laughs> it's just, just slightly nicer surroundings yeah. and posher accents. With a bigger debt. Yeah, but it's... um. Like, nothing is advanced. None of the actual work of Parliament happens in that thing. It's just, it's like a play that they have to put on once a week. Um, and it's, no one is held accountable. At no point, ha- I can't think of a, maybe your listeners can, maybe they will, they can suggest a, a time where, where someone has said something in Prime Minister's questions that's really resonated and ended up on, and caused some kind of outrage or uproar that's resulted in stuff. But I can't think of a single time, any time I've watched it, or I've come away thinking... This is bollocks. It's yeah. utter bollocks. <laughs> it's it's the, the people on the Prime Minister's own party asking pre-prepared softball questions that he can then advance his agenda. And then the opponent... And then a back and forward with... With all this... You're like, oh my God. It's so, that wouldn't be allowed in a school. Why is it, it allowed in Parliament? Yeah, and you watch it. What the fuck are you? You <laughs> pathetic kids. And, and again, like the sort of misogyny that runs right through it, it's it really is just such an uncomfortable old boy. You just look at it and go, how isolating, how alienating is that to people who don't look and sound like that? Yeah. And and younger people to look at that and go, well, this is what politic, this is what politicians do. Yeah, and it's not. This for isn't me. for me. Yeah, it's not for you. So from that point of view, when when you see someone like Brand having a say in it and go. Well, hang on. He's someone who I can relate to, and actually talks about things that I give a fuck about. Talks about things like housing and and also for Russell, Russell's background debt. is that he has had a heroin, you know, a, a drug addiction, yeah, and come out the other side of it and made himself, or you know, all right. Yeah, he he definitely. Again, a, a, a lot of the discrediting articles. You know, he's a millionaire and he doesn't. Yeah, he is now a millionaire, and he definitely, to an extent, is now. Uh, alienated from real issues and he definitely lives a life of privilege and so on. It doesn't mean you can't still care about it. No, and it doesn't mean that he also doesn't have a really interesting insight from his background onto certain aspects of life. And also, yeah, it doesn't mean that he can't give a fuck about these things and can't talk about them. Well, my Edinburgh show this year was about the NHS. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. And um, a guy came up to me afterwards and said, "I, I know about you and you've got private health care. And I was kind of like, it doesn't mean that I don't care about what the government is doing dismantling the NHS. And he's like, yeah, well, you're a hypocrite. 
was like, okay, and I'm guessing that you are a Tory. And he was like, well, yeah, 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 but my point is. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I'm not having this argument. That's not what the show was about. Again, it's sort of uh, a, the attacking the messenger rather than the message. Um, Marcus Brigstock gets this a hell of a lot because obviously he's a fairly public, fairly prominent left-wing uh, political comedian who freely admits he comes from a life of privilege. He was born into money. He went to, I think he went to the same private school as George Osborne. Did he? Um, he certainly... St. Paul's? Was it St. Paul's? Paul's? I don't know. He, he definitely, what, what, he definitely grew up in those circles, mm-hmm. very, you know, and so on. And, and he gets that attacked a lot. And it, again, it's like, well, it doesn't mean I can't care about these issues. I, I, you, you can accept, you could admit your privilege in the situation while at the same time going, yeah, I think I'm lucky to be on this yeah. side of the equation. I'm lucky to be, uh, there are people who are much further on this side of the yeah. equation, but I'm lucky to be on this side of the equation. I want more people to be on this side of this equation. I want this equation to not be a thing. Yeah. You can absolutely... Especially when there's so much wealth in the world and there's so much that, you know, people, so many people that don't have to suffer. And it, it's so unnecessary. And, and it, it's so obvious the scapegoating, again, the whole Farage immigration thing and also the constant, particularly in the Express, but all the right-leaning, the Sun and the Mail and all those right-leaning newspapers, the constant, like, scroungers and benefit. And scroungers is a word that Ian Duncan Smith uses all the time. It's it's the it's the really grotesque pillaring pillaring of um poor people poor people and and trying and scapegoating and trying to make it seem like they are the problem yeah. um there's a survey where they um there was a survey i remember seeing the, the statistics of what percentage um uh of the budget goes on welfare and what percentage of welfare recipients are, are cheats Mm-hmm. And the um, and the public's perception compared to the reality is off by an order of magnitude. Really, like it was, it's ridiculous the distant difference. It's something like it. It's something like the public. I'm going to guess at the numbers, but it's some, the public guessed that something like 15 percent of welfare recipients are are cheating, and actually the real figure is 0.3 percent. It's really hard to cheat on benefit. I mean, I was fascinated. I would be yeah. fascinated to read how much you know they're, they're spending like 30 billion on new flood defenses. I always think it'd be quite interesting to see how much would be spent on flood defences if most of the flooding didn't happen in the Cotswolds and it actually happened in Hartlepool or somewhere where there's no money. Right. Do you know what I mean? That'd be like fucking let them flood. But we've got voters that are getting flooded now, so we need to sort them out. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and when you look at those numbers as well, like, firstly, I think the difference between someone who's more right-wing and someone who's more left-wing is, well, would you rather a few people who are cheating the system slip through the net, but really genuinely needy people don't die of starvation yeah. or cold? Or would you rather stop that 0.3% of cheats from cheating, from gaming the system at the expense of fucking the lives <laughs> of, of so a many. huge number of people? Yeah. And and then and then the other thing is, when you look at the numbers, it really isn't that big numbers. The, the press will make you... Those, the writing press and the and the likes of Ian Duncan Smith will let you believe that those people are a huge drain on the resources of the country, and they're really, they're really, not. really not. And that it's so marginal compared to the number of people. Again, like the 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 amount of money that isn't paid in tax by huge banks or huge corporations. One of those corporations um, could fund every single one of those case studies. 
uh, case studies in the loosest shittest term any of those uh exploitative articles people yeah. featured in them many 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 times it's over it's so bizarre and like the banks are so but like a friend of mine had a business that had a bank loan we're gonna have to wrap this up in a minute because we started late and we're just guessing yeah. but this is i thought it was quite interesting a friend of mine had a bank loan for um her business and the bank decided they wanted the it was less than like two hundred fifty thousand pounds they wanted it back now they want the, and they, she'd had the bank loan for five years right two hundred fifty thousand pounds to set her business up and it, the business was running it was running it wasn't making a lot of money it wasn't doing that great um, she had a few properties invested that she'd bought for the business mm-hmm. and they dropped in value and then the bank decided they wanted their loan back now. Right. So she was like, oh God, okay, uh, well, I can't. So she had to sort of, they, the bank stepped in and said, right, we're taking it, we're, we're shutting down your business, we're taking it. Um, and she got a letter through saying we're selling off some of the properties and we're recouping this £250,000 loan. And the bank had employed a company at a cost of £35,000 to do that. Right. So they'd got her £250,000 loan back and they'd spent £35,000. And, and her, her company was ticking along fine. It wasn't costing the bank any money just to keep it ticking along. But they'd employed someone to come after her. Right. Which just kind of feels like such a waste. Such a waste and so unpleasant. But then you probably find out that that company has some connection to the bank and so on. It's just a redistribution of... Wealth. It's a redistribution of wealth in the worst direction. The, the zero hours contract, the... um, The... the <laughs> The forced volunteering now for these companies, which are then, like, you can't just get job seekers announced. You have to, after a certain amount of time, work for free for Tesco or Pound Stretcher. So you're learning these skills that you never need because they're not skills. They're very unskilled jobs that you could learn in an afternoon. And what it, all it actually is, is now, rather than the taxpayer subsidizing someone who's in genuine need and trying to get them back on their feet, the taxpayer is now subsidizing corporations at the expense of those people in return for... And also, we're pl- they're, they're plundering public money. We're going yes. to have to... What, what I thought was really interesting is someone says to me, have a look at Richard Branson, because quite a lot... He, Richard Branson, a very wealthy man, also very good at spotting where um, public money is becoming available for private companies to invest in. So just say things like trains... Right. Or the, you know, the privatisation of, of the train system, the tr- privatisation of air, airplanes or nursing homes, or banks, all these kind of things that public money suddenly becomes available, that Richard Branson suddenly has a virgin Atlantic, or virgin trains, or virgin right. <laughs> old people's homes. And all of a sudden, that money, that pot's going to go. There's going to be nothing left yeah, the next time the banks sort of go like, screw it up. The, the argument is privatisation brings in outside funding and brings in the market competitive values to, to make them more efficient. And, and that's bullshit. Firstly, it tends not to. And secondly, what actually ends up happening is no, the public purse is still subsidizing these companies, but, <laughs> but now really rather badly. than it being invested into a public property, it's now going to a private corporation or yeah. an individual. And it works really well for, I mean, like, something that's owned by the people who work for it, like John Lewis and Waitrose, those companies thrive and everyone there is partners. They all work in the, it does work. Mm-hmm. It's a system that works. I was briefly a partner in the Christmas of 98. Get you. Yeah. But we're going to have to wrap that up because we started late and we could talk and talk and talk and we talk could and talk. We could talk for ages. But thank you so much. It's been such it? an absolute pleasure. It's been a joy. I had no idea I'd end up talking Judaism and Judaism, <laughs> burying Bibles and Waitrose. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Andy. Thank you. Matt and I were having so much fun that we forgot to point you in the direction of his podcast, which is probably science. So have a look out for that. And thanks for listening.